Great. We are good to go. Except we can't see you. Except we can't see you. Let's see. Um, okay, so if you start talking, hopefully you'll come on the screen. Good morning. Good morning. There you are. Uh, <clears throat> would you like to give us a little update on your, your week? Well, it's been a good week, and of course, tomorrow is the holiday morning we're celebrating here. Um, and as probably some of you know, or most of you know, I've been publishing articles all week about Val uh, Dave, and um, they seem to have been well received by devotees, so that's nice. Uh, some important topics raised there. It's nice to have um, such a comprehensive. Uh, picture of Balram painted, if you will, or presented in one place. Um, so I feel it's a, contribution. a useful contribution to the, to the Sampradaya. Hmm. Thank you so much for that. And we're looking forward to the book coming out shortly. <laughs> well, yeah, it's coming. Slowly, <laughs> <laughs> shortly, but slowly. So. <laughs> Good things are worth waiting for. Okay, yeah. we'll start with the questions. Um, yeah. Question. I'm going to ask, I'm gonna ask yours. Okay. So, Pranam Guru Maharaj. Uh, I wanted to ask you, maybe it's not like a question and hopefully it doesn't sound like an interview or something, <laughs> but I would think that it would be nice if you would like to share some words about uh, what do you expect as a guru, uh, if you will, from, from your disciples, from your students, uh, what thing, which things coming from, from your disciples will please you the most? I think that for a student, that's nice to know regarding one's guru. Of course, I'm not asking only this in case of one specific individual, because in, in individual cases, there may be some details, but also in general, and also even as a, as a community, no? as individuals and as a community of your students, What's, what do you expect from them? I think that both your students or the, the ones who are aspiring to become your students may gain, take some advantage from knowing a little bit more in this regard. I don't know if you could share some words in that regard. Well, that's a difficult question. It um, probably requires a broad answer. Um, and, um, the answer is relative to the circumstances that uh, our Sangha members uh, find themselves in, which I addressed the other, other week as well, um, given that, for example, we're not all in the same community, physically, closely um, related, but at a distance, um, internationally and so forth. Um, but that said, um, I think there's um, two basic areas um, of interest, and one is maybe general and one more specific and that which is more specific um, requires um, certain things to be in place in order for that uh, to be embraced. So that with that I refer to assisting me personally in the service that I'm doing to the community, to the Sampradaya. So I'm writing books, for example. I, um, at one time I was forming communities. So I'm not planning on forming any more communities, but um, so to uh, assist me directly in that, um, in one sense, it um, suggests interest on the part of the students in, in what um, 
I'm personally doing in my service. And um, again, that requires uh, some things that everybody doesn't have in place and um, doesn't have the same opportunity to participate in. Um, a person, for example, who can come and live with me and be comfortable around me and my idiosyncrasies and so forth um, is not um, everybody quite understandably uh, <laughs> from my point of view. Um, and, um, but, you know, that person would be able to participate in ways uh, that others obviously um, couldn't in those particular services. Again, personally assisting me in the things that I'm, I'm, I'm uh, engaged in publishing books, um, um, opening ashrams, maintaining the ashrams, um, and the various services that are required there and so forth. Um, so uh, that said, um, others can indirectly participate in that. And uh, that's um, something that uh, I would expect that, that they would relate to, identify with, and um, be enthused to hear about the things that I'm I'm doing and so forth and want to see them flourish. So um, if they can't directly participate in that, that's not necessarily a fault that maybe um, owing to their circumstances, perhaps they're married, they have a family and so forth. Um, and, um, or they, you know, live in a different country, can't get a visa to come here and where I am and whatever may be circumstances. Um, that prevent them from participating in, in those projects directly. Um, one sense I'm talking about the physical projects and their books, that's physical, but there's a possibility to participate in that. Some of them from a distance, at least by reading them enthusiastically, sharing them with others um, would be another example of that. Um, uh, if their householders and they're working, then uh, um, helping to fund such projects and so forth. I mean, I don't have a job, so um, everything costs costs money. And if we live in the world um, and with a license to um, be in the world, so to speak, in the context of Gaudi Vaishnavism, then um, some percentage of our earnings should be spent for the flourishing of Vaishnavism, which is in our interest. So um, that's like one area, okay? Um, helping me personally in the services that I'm doing to the community for the Sampradaya um, and so forth. Um, and I think that Thinking about those projects and seeing how I think about it and understanding them helps my students to understand me and historically and in my particular contribution as I see it um, and helps them understand something about my disposition, personality, which seems like many of the devotees, they want to get close to me, so to speak. Well, you know, what you do, what I do, um, if you will, it speaks about what I am, what I'm like. So it's, it's really a way of uh, getting close to me, um, getting to know me, so to speak. Um, so that's like one area. I won't go on about it, but that's the general area. And then the other is um, more broad, but it, it applies to everyone in all circumstances, and that is that they um, embrace the, um, the practices. Hmm? So they have serious um, sadhana and um, they strive to see that there's not a lapse in that or distraction. Um, and if there is, they keep picking themselves up and, and um, 
are committed to such practice. And that based on an understanding of its importance. I mean, I, a lot of the speaking that I do, the writing that I do is, is it should be taken advantage of because it's meant to cement one, so to speak, ground one in, um, in a worldview that has corresponding practices that make, make sense given that, that worldview. It's meant to grow their faith um, um, and quench the thirst of their, their, their intellect, so to speak, or drown it out so that they, um, they um, are um, better equipped and free to, you know, to, to practice, engage in a transrational practice that makes sense. It's, it's rational, it's reasonable, uh, even though the practice itself transcends reason. So anyway, to be, to be grounded in the practices, hearing, chanting, um, and so forth. Uh, you know, in, in one sense, that's the bigger idea and more important idea of the two spheres, so to speak. They're, they're related, obviously, they're, they're connected. One t- tends to complement the other, but everybody can't be directly participate in the first um, um, type of of service, but everybody should be a serious uh, practitioner. I mean, I'm not here just to give information, um, but it's it's um, I'm giving something that you're supposed to do something with, and translate that into into practice, change your hearts and so forth. Um, so striving you know, to, to, to actually love Krishna and understand what that means. I would expect my students to, to read my books, to listen to my lectures. I think most of you, you do have an ear for the, for, the, for the talks and so forth. And I would imagine for the books as well, that they can be read um, certainly m- more than once. They're very, very dense with um, feeling and insight. And so if I know that the students are taking advantage of them, reading them um, and listening to the talks regularly, then I feel, feel confident that, uh, for their, of their progress. So, so I guess, again, as I say, there's, there's two sides, to personally assist me and um, to, as far as possible, and above and kind of beyond that, to actually practice bhakti hmm? and, and understand it. Uh, you know, we have these talks um, once a week or so. So, I, you know, I, I look and see who comes on the talks. And those who don't, you know, I suppose, uh, I know that they're recorded and played afterwards, so some of them can't attend because of the timing, but they do otherwise listen to them. And, um, and uh, I, I think that my time spent answering questions like this is um, something that all my students should be eager to take take advantage of. Mm-hmm. So that's just kind of a broad answer. Does that help? Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Okay. What else? Go Pangandini. Good morning, Guru Maharaj. Um, my question is um, how intention relates to offense. And even though one might not have um, the intention to offend, sometimes that still happens. So then what is our responsibility in maybe having good intentions, but making offense anyway? Well, intention is plays a significant role um, in offense. And I think you can understand that basically uh, by a practical example from the world and a sense of, of justice. So if someone kills someone accidentally, um, it's one thing. If they intentionally plan it out and so forth, then it's quite another thing. The consequences are quite, uh, quite, quite different and more serious. Um, 
and I would say that in Vaishnavism, in Gaudi Vaishnavism, um, it's difficult to, to make an offense without intent. Uh, let's look at it from the opposite side. Um, what is bhakti? So there are um, activities that we perform with the senses that are bhakti in the stage of, of sadhana, even if we don't have any um, feeling for it. Uh, we would have some feeling, but not spiritual emotion. Bhava is not driving those practices. So we may do the practices right, we may do them wrong, we may make mistakes. Let's say, for example, in, in the deity worship. Um, but overall, it said that Krishna's nature is such that he accepts the spirit of the offering. Baba Grahi Janardana. What's the what's the what's the feeling behind it? Hmm? So even if you say it wrong, but your feeling is in the right place, then it's going to be accepted. Hmm? Um, let's take, for example, uh, saying a Sanskrit prayer and pronouncing it wrong. Hmm? Shridhar said, "Well, if, you, if your heart's in the right place, Krishna say, I think you meant this, right? Instead of that." What you said here is very offensive, but I don't think you meant that. It doesn't feel like that. So just giving an, an example of what Krishna is like. Hmm? So I'm kind of giving the opposite, that if, you, if you, the heart's in the right place, you have the right intentions hmm? in, in the service. Um, let's say, for example, uh, sometimes it used to be, uh, I, I saw in some, some temples that a a young person would join, uh, a new person, you know, would, would join. And then the older devotees there would tell him or her, don't do this, don't do that, do it like this, not like that. And it was very important to them hmm, that that new devotee be instructed in all these details. But from my vantage point, what was more important that their heart was in the right place and, you know, they may do that wrong. And I'm not, not even say anything about the detail, because, uh, you know, you don't want to overburden them with, with, with that and discourage them. Hmm? And so that can come, that can come later, if their attention is right in the right place. So I'm just going to give you the opposite how bhakti works. So conversely, then, um, going against bhakti, hmm? then what is your intention? Hmm? What is the spirit? If, you, if your spirit is not to make any offense, then, and then you're concerned about that, it's, it's pretty difficult to, to make one, even if you do something that otherwise would be con, 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 con considered offensive. So um, let's say, I don't know, for example, you, um, Let's say you stepped on Prabhupada's foot. I did that once. <laughs> so, you know, it might be considered offensive, but he just told me, don't, don't do that. Don't stay too close. I, I was too close. I was trying to stay too close behind him to hear everything he said and, and participate. And I, and I stepped on his heel, you know. I, he said, he turned around, he said, don't come too close. <laughs> so, you know, it wasn't my, my intention was to hear and, and be close, but there I, you know, I kind of offended him, so to speak, offensively. So, um, uh, so I, I would, in general, look at it like that. I mean, there may be possibility that you make an offense inadvertently, without intention, and without even knowing. But if but if your um, basic disposition is not to make an offense then that will be compensated for just by that, um, that overall uh, disposition. Offenses can be made verbally, they can be made mentally, they can be made physically, they can be made uh, in relation to a 
neophyte devotee, an intermediate devotee, or a superlative devotee. So there's a range there. If you commit a physical offense to a superlative devotee, hmm, um, well, then you got kind of the worst scenario. If you commit a mental offense to a neophyte devotee, then they're going to be it's the other end of the spectrum. Hmm? And if offenses are committed mentally, they can be resolved mentally. If offenses are committed verbally, they can be resolved verbally. If they're committed physically, then they can be resolved physically by serving that 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 Vaishnava, for example. Um, here we're talking about, of course, Vaishnava Aparad, there are other kinds of Aparad, there's Nam Aparad, um, um, and there's, uh, you know, Seva Aparad, the deity, and so forth. But I think, then, uh, um, again, uh, the principle holds, and if you mentally make offense, you can um, resolve it. So intention is all important. Mm -hmm. And and it's, I say it's difficult to make an, an offense of consequence that will really impede your progress if you don't intend to. Hmm. Does that help? Yes, thank you very much. Okay. Okay, Indra, um, she's gonna try to ask her question. She might not be in a good spot. And if so, she wrote it in the chat, so. Okay. Hare Krishna. So I'm back home now, so I think it's, I can ask the question if I may. Thank you, yes. Hare Krishna Maharaj, Hare Krishna, dear devotees. So my question, I'm actually sorry that it's not related to like um, Balaram, but it's um, a question that's been on my mind actually for like a few, uh, well, months or years. And it's actually a bit technical. It's about the soul and how uh, after uh, this, the soul leaves the body, the material body, um, also continues growing so what i heard within the like krishna conscious circle is that actually like there are little souls inside the cells so i'm just wondering um like what you know about it i mean it's not like a super important question i'm sorry but i'm still curious because i'm doing like sprouts and then they get activated by water and then they start like living and i i, I think it's just a fascinating um uh question and if, if our body is like made out of like souls that are less conscious and how that actually works. Thank you. <laughs> I don't think that that's some, I'm sure that quite sure that that's not something that's spoken about um, in the scriptures. And it's a, something of kind of a consideration in, in terms of modern sense of, of biology and so forth that um, wasn't um, out and about if you will, in, in, in times uh, going by. Um, one could ask as well if electrons have souls and, and neutrons and quarks and, 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 and so forth. Um, um, but uh, I would uh, say that, um, that um, it's a curious kind of a question, but not of much uh, consequence. Um, and the, again, sacred texts don't speak of every individual cell being an atma, but it's possible. Hmm? Um, uh, it's possible that one could acquire such a body, cellular, I guess you would call it, body, I, I suppose, um, maybe maybe as a Buddhist or something like that, um, but, uh, or become a stone for that matter. Uh, there is the idea that gems have some kind of life, I think in, in the sacred text of the Hindus. So I often thought of Buddhists like that. Um, but um, um, I can only reply to you again in terms of what the scripture says, and it doesn't really uh, address that. So I would leave it to that as possible. Um, but it doesn't make a lot of difference for us one way or the other. What's important is that, that, that we are an Atma and we are embodied. 
and um, and there's a way to realize and experience that, and and that's uh, a good part of what um, our tradition is about. Not only to experience that, but do it in the context of bhakti, and thereby um, uh, bring a prospect uh, to your atma, to yourself, that unto itself, it um, it doesn't have the opportunity to take advantage of. Mm-hmm. Um, that prospect comes, we're able to take advantage of by the grace of bhakti. Um, so, uh, cells and souls, yeah. Uh, one thing is we have a cell, that's our body. <laughs> we have a sentence, that's the time that it, of its duration. And um, we should be good, good prisoners and behave in such a way that we get out. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, I mean, in the broader sense, of course, the, the Vedanta's kind of a pan-psychic perspective. So consciousness is distributed everywhere. Um, underlying everything in in matter, so you know from that you could say therefore every soul has, but I I would be reluctant to get into that. I it's not it, again it's not something that sacred texts address per se. Um, so thank you, Hare Krishna. Conservative answer. What else? Okay, uh, Eric. Dandavats, <clears throat> uh, uh, Hare Krishna Maharaj. Morning, haven't seen you in a while. Oh yeah, it's um, it's good to see you again. Um, so my question uh, that I've kind of thought about for a while sort of pertains to in what regard um, devotional service uh, bhakti is uh, superior to mundane uh, morality or dharma. Um, particularly in the context of, uh, um, like I've heard stories from older devotees in the past about how sometimes in uh, their enthusiasm, they might have resorted to methods of fundraising for their mission that to some would have been considered not necessarily very dharmic, um, but the rationale was that at least as was explained to me was that uh, because uh, those who are contributing to the mission or whether they know it or not, are getting a gotcha Sukriti and uh, you know, they are benefiting in some way and uh, that there is being, there is service being done for the mission and for uh, Krishna and to spread the teachings so um, it's kind of a win-win at the end of the day, but I, I never really knew how to take that, and I've just kind of wanted to understand your perspective on it. I'm not trying to cause any controversy or anything like that. I just genuinely want to understand yeah. that a bit better. Well, I think in general, the, uh, the moral realm is one thing I've compared it to a cage. Um, so if you take an animal out of the wild and you, you cage the animal and gradually you can feed and train the animal and, um, and, and take the wild out of him, you know, to, to some extent. Um, and so we come to human life and from animality, we come to humanity and our humanity gives us the opportunity for spirituality, the direct culture of that. And so kind of a quasi uh, spirituality is the moral realm where we live in a cage and we have these do's and these don'ts. Now you can understand, I think, with, as long as you're living in court, don't do this, don't, can't do that, watch out for this. It's not a free flowing movement that love, for example, is. When love, there's no rules. There's no, there's no need for the rules. Um, love breaks down and you make rules so that you can 
still stay together. You do this, I'll do that. You go to sleep at this time, I'll wake up at that time. And so that's kind of a breakdown of love where there's no, no need for rules in the fullest sense. So, um, you know, if you come from rag bhakti to vaiti bhakti, you come from lawless love to rule-based, dutiful love, but then that's all spiritual. Then beneath that is the is the moral realm in this world, and um, it's like being in a cage. So you're trying to trying to take the animality out of you, so to speak, um, and make you fully human, which would mean to then do do that which humans can do that less complex forms of life can't do, which is to inquire about meaning, purpose, value, mm-hmm. um, uh, um, what's right, what's wrong, um, and so forth. And this is the larger part then of the sacred texts dealing with the moral realm and the idea is that sufficiently inquiring about the moral realm from revelation, one uh, comes to inquire um, not only about what it means to be, to, to live our human life in consideration of God, but to consider what is the life of God. Hmm and how to participate in that, which would require transcending the limits of, of our humanity. Hmm? One thing is to live a human life and, and consideration of God. Okay, God's up there, I'm down here, and this is my main stage. And then to change the, the equation. We use the sun as an example sometimes of, of God. So can't get away from the sun um, if it's not there. Uh, you need to put on light, <laughs> uh, and when it is there, of course, uh, there's light, there's there's growth, vegetation, there's evaporation, uh, and there's rain, and so on and so forth. So um, we're dependent on the sun. We, we we revere the sun in terms of what the sun does for us, but most people are not very interested in what goes on in the sun. What are those nuclear explosions? What's a, what's its emotional life, if you will? So that's what, as Gaudiya Vaishnavas, we're interested in that. What's going on in the sun, as much as the sun is here in the analogy, represents God. What's going on in his life? Rather than what, what how he can improve you know, my life in this realm. So the moral realm is, is not something that unto itself can bring about um, emancipation from the cage, liberation from the cage. So that said, if we are to pursue transcendence, then we can pursue the moral life at the same time that they can go parallel. But wherever they depart and wherever the, the absolute, the transcendent perspective and the need of the hour for the trans- pursuing the transcendent ideal comes in conflict with the moral realm and sense of duty, then that moral sense of duty can be abandoned. Hmm? Hmm. So we find, for example, in the Leela of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that at the time the social religious system of Varnashram was in place in India, and he followed along with it for the most part, but wherever there was an instance in which the moral rule prescribed something that contradicted um, uh, the uh, absolute and Vaishnava perspective, then he would forego the moral. So for example, I I believe in in Mathura, he met a a Brahmin and according to the particular details of the Varnashram, the caste that Mahaprabhu came from and as, as a sannyasi who was socially and religiously inappropriate for him to take a meal cooked by that class of Brahmin, something like that. 
But Mahabhu could understand from speaking with the Brahmin that he was that, that he was connected with Madhavendra Puri, so he was actually initiated Vaishnav. And 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 so he readily uh, accepted his company, ate his cooking, uh, and, and so on and so forth. And um, similarly with Ramananda Roy, how he related, according to Varnashram, Sannyasi and the Sudra shouldn't have uh, embraced in that way, according to the social con considerations, but mm, they were only formally in those positions as Sannyasi and as, as Sudra, they were Param Vaishnavas, Mahabhu and Ramananda Roy, and they acted accordingly, and they overrode the, the moral realm. So there are some instances um, like that. And the teaching is clear that they're the absolute and the relative and the absolute takes precedent over the relevant. It's not an excuse for being immoral in the name of Gaudi Vaishnavism. And the liberties that one might take in that, in that regard, um, one should be very uh, cautious about that, and under the direction of a, a senior Vaishnav and, and, and so forth, um, um, we should have at the same time a healthy understanding that the moral realm is one thing, is, and Vaishnav is, is, is another. So there are many, more, many moral rules according to Vaishnavism that we don't have to think about and bother with it at, at all. But that doesn't mean we can become, become necessarily immoral uh, in the name of Krishna consciousness. There may be instances like that. Uh, there's a famous story of one of the Alwars in the Ramanuja Sampradaya engaging thieves mm -hmm, to steal at night, which they do anyway. Mm -hmm. And then um, using some percentage of the, of, the, of, the, of the earnings, if you will, to build a, to build a temple. And um, the idea, I think, behind it was that they were going to get something in the end from him. So they they stole, they gave him, he built a temple, and in the end, they came for their reward. And he took them out in a boat in the ocean and said he'd, he'd give it to them. And he threw the oars away. And then he walked back, left them out there. <laughs> He walked on the water, he came back and left them out there. Um, so <laughs> they were thieves anyway, and he engaged them somehow in, in Krishna's service. Uh, anyway, it's a story, I don't, it's from the oral tradition. Um, there are other similar stories like that, but you gotta be able to walk on water to do something like that. <laughs> so um, it's, it's a slippery slope there, and I, I would kind of think it would be best to err on the side of caution and be morally upright and so forth. Of course, um, another sense, moral uprightness uh, can be determined by um, what's favorable for, for Krishna, for bhakti, and what's unfavorable. So, except like that, this is favorable for Krishna, I do it. If it's not, not favorable for bhakti, I won't do it. That becomes a uh, simple moral complex. It may be simple, it may be difficult to put in practice, but um, but I don't think that um, you can get too far uh, making a, a platform out of the ends justifies the means if somehow or other someone becomes touched by uh, Krishna consciousness, whatever we have to do to get that to happen to them, that's ultimately better than if it didn't happen to them. Well, yeah, maybe, um, uh, but such minimal, minimal contact, if you will, maybe very minimal, minimal um, result, and the bigger result may, um, for example, in relation to outreach or preaching, turn many people away from it and cause them to lose interest. Um, so it's a calculation one has to take. You know, in the case of ISKCON, which you kind of uh, imply uh, in times gone by, 
Prabhupada did have a was a was a very powerful Vaishnava, of course, and he had a particular uh, objective in mind, and he was able to consume and digest um, any downside that came from what he felt was necessary to kind of uh, uh, get some traction hmm? in terms of. Uh, uh, wide circulation of Krishna consciousness. So I kind of likened those days to spiritual terrorism, if you will. There was a time when Yasser Arafat was a, was a terrorist and the Palestinian state was not recognized as a state. And so he did uh, things that very quickly brought attention and world attention to him that were acts of terror. But he figured, well, nobody's going to, is listening to us, our plight, and so I'll do something and it'll bring people's attention. And once we get the attention, then our case can be heard. So the ends, the means justifies the ends. Now, you know, eventually he became the, the president and a member of the UN um, for the state of Palestine, as I recall. Um, so he did realize his ends, and the ways to go about it were, uh, were, were, were questionable, but seems like he was able to digest it. Um, otherwise, the Palestinians in their case, whatever it is, might not have been heard. So Prabhupada had kind of a similar approach. And uh, he said things at times like, any publicity is good publicity. Um, and so he was able to digest the fact that sometimes we acted in ways that um, might have been considered inappropriate from another perspective. Um, I mean, he said things like, by hook or by crook, sell the book. <laughs> um, so I think that, uh, uh, I do think that devotees um, at times uh, took that too far and in ways that Prabhupada would not have approved. Hmm? Um, I'll give you an example of that. This is after, shortly after Prabhupada's uh, passing, one of the, who became the spiritual leaders, if you will, in ISKCON in the United States, uh, they had, uh, devotees were uh, robbing gas stations uh, in the name of, you know, well, the money's better spent for Krishna than, I mean, it was just insane. Um, and that they were using that kind of logic. So probably never approved of such a thing. But to say to somebody that, oh, you know, where are you from? Oh, I'm just, I'm from, you know, um, well, wherever, and, you know, uh, I, I just coming back from Vietnam. Oh, okay, you know, so you're, you're in, the, in, in the army. Well, check this out. Here's a book about a battle, you know? It's the Bhagavad Gita, you know? <laughs> I mean, yeah, the book's about a battle, but I mean, you know, and so, you know, to get them involved in that uh, and somehow, you know, take the book uh, and, hopefully read it, hopefully you'd say more than that, but I mean, I'm just giving an example where you're kind of like, um, some person might say, you told him it was about a battle. It's not about a battle. It's a spiritual book, you know, and complain about it. Um, that kind of a thing is, is, is rather innocent, I would, I would think. Um, but there were excesses um, and, 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 and and I think devotees themselves were, were trying to navigate this um, ground, you know, by crook, sell the book, any, any publicity is good publicity. And, and, you know, with their own sensibilities in their own country, countries. And, you know, Prabhupada expected us to have common sense. And, you know, that's a, a rare thing, unfortunately. And a lot of devotees didn't have much common sense. And uh, so there were problems. And, 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 but, you know, things like that are only as bad as you don't learn from them. Hmm? 
um, and uh, I guess, again, in Prabhupada's presence, uh, he pretty much continually, consistently uh, emphasized the themes that I, that I mentioned because there were complaints, we're getting bad publicity, and he would say, well, what can he do? They're, people, they're selling these books, but they're doing it in such a way people are not really interested, and some are throwing them away, throwing the books away after reading them. And Prabhupada said, well, what can I do? They're throwing their babies away. He's referring to, you know, abortion. So, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the way he responded, you know. So he was like, Yasser Arafat, you know, of, of, of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, <laughs> you know, he was a spiritual terrorist. He, he could digest it. Hmm? Hmm? But, he, you know, who is he? What, what was his, his campaign? Ourselves as individuals, well, that, you know, that, 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 that's, that's, that's another thing. And now in retrospect, you know, that initial wave of that uh, orchestrated by himself was uh, in place. Then you kind of pick up the pieces afterwards and uh, that kind of work is is, uh, is 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 required so that's my general answer does that help uh yes that that was a great answer the yeah really covered everything that i could think of in relation to that topic and uh yeah i was very uh definitely satisfied my uh understanding of that so thank thank you maharaj yeah okay I should mention also that in, I think in the Sandarbha's Jiva Goswami says that devotees should, referring to householders, live by a means that is not improper or something like that. Um, and, you know, that would also uh, speak to accepting a donation from sources that are um, not uh, questionable, uh, uh, you know, in most scenarios. There may be some extreme and some great person may, may do, but okay. So I'm glad I could answer that. Thank you for the question. Okay, um, Gordon Ryan. Uh, hi, Krishna Gurudev. Yeah, good to see you. Good to see you, too. Um, I had a question. I was reading Chaitanya Charitamrita, and I saw the word uh, Tanre translated as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. I was wondering, is that another meaning? What's the direct translation of that? What word? Uh, Tanre, T-A-N-R-E. Oh. Well, you know... Uh, I'll look it up for you. Okay. That's easy. Okay. Oh, oh you're saying. Mm. Mm. It just means to him or him yeah. or in him. Tanra, him. Yeah. Oh, okay. Ami. Ami. To me. Ta Tanra. Yeah. Mm. Okay, thank you. Okay, I have a question for you. Where's your mother? I haven't heard from her in a while. Oh, does she not get on? I don't know. I see uh -huh. Archie. I see Sumati. Uh, hmm. Tell her I'm on. I'm on, I'm oh. on Guru Maharaj. Okay, honey boy. I, I just can't. I'm on. I can't put the um, thing on her. I'll get knocked off the picture okay. on. Okay, good I'm always with you. <laughs> okay, it's mutual. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay, Tadas, would you like to ask your question? Hare Krishna Maharaj. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, so I have started to read another one book by Suhotra Swami, which is called Dimensions of Good and Evil the moral universe and Vaishnava philosophy. And uh, the second chapter is called the, the fall from beyond time. And basically this chapter speaks about um, 
about how souls come to material world and this is basically different that she, that I have heard in your lectures yeah <laughs> and uh, funny thing happened I just uh, lost interest interesting in this book <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's I have never felt like that before because you know it just it it was I, I was not angry or something I just like was well there is some different opinion and I'm not interested. I don't want to read this anymore. And unfortunately, it's, you know, after 30 pages out of 350. So basically the whole book now is wasted. But uh, right. the, 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 the question is, you know, uh, there are some persons who resonate with some, some guru, yeah? And that guru, he explains some things in one way. And there are other persons who resonate with some other guru or person, whatever, which has a different explanation on, on the same topic. Yeah? So basically, it's like contradiction between two explanations, between two views, so to say. But uh, in general, there are the same instruction yeah to to chant Hare Krishna basically and uh, people get um, how to say they get in different ways inspired to do that to chant yeah so the question is so what is the actual meaning of the of the information which might be very different, but it gives inspiration to to do a good thing, like to to chant, yeah. And uh, how then, you know, persons who are listening to different uh, gurus, what is their? I don't want to say the destination, but what is their, you know, um, the way how are they going are they going the same like the same path so to say if they if they if they if they chant Hare krishna but with a different uh, with a different inspiration to do that uh-huh yeah well i think the different gurus have different um perspectives uh and different uh styles and so forth and ways of uh presenting the philosophy that may appeal more to one uh uh, another to uh, style to another, um, but that is all in consideration of the of the of the idea that each guru is appropriately presenting the actual teaching of this of the scriptures um, as given by the founding acharyas, the shastra gurus of our sampradaya. Um, so there may be any range of different emphases, uh, speaking on the same philosophy from the vantage point of different bhavas and so forth. And all of these differences are fine. Hmm? Maybe difference in, 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 in details that one guru emphasizes uh, from another. There may be difference in, in, in inner feeling. There may be different audiences that he or she is speaking to that are taken into consideration. And so the their teaching may emphasize one way or another, but all of this in, uh, being nonetheless accurate representations of the teachings of the scripture. That's all well and good. But then the question is, if someone is teaching correctly about so many things, but then teaches erroneously about a significant uh, aspect of the tattva. Hmm? Now you bring up this particular aspect. Okay, so someone is using their human reasoning to justify the idea that jivas in this world who are conditioned have fallen from uh, uh, an unconditioned spiritual status. Hmm? Yeah. So, I mean, here someone is using human logic to argue against what the scripture clearly says itself. Mm -hmm. 
we should use human logic to support what the scripture says hmm? um, rather than uh, to make it sound like you know it should sound like we we, we reason it should sound like so let me give you the implications of this in particular you know if you, if, if your goal is not something that's eternal hmm, then what is the difference between it and any material goal? So the goal that we pursue has to be eternal. And we pursue it like, like Madhurya Rasa, Sakya Rasa, let's say, as the goal. So it has to be eternal. That means it has to be eternally, that it has no defect. Hmm? It is not subject to um, any defect. Therefore, nobody can fall from it, whether they've been there forever as a Nitya Siddha, or whether they go there from here uh, as a Sadhana Siddha. That Baba itself is perfection. Hmm? There's no, so if, if, if it's not, then you don't have a goal that's, that's transcendental. Hmm? I just would like to, to say so, something additionally. So, so just a minute. So that's an important point. So if someone is, is consistently teaching something like that, well, it's, 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 it's obviously, um, you know, problematic. And it contradicts the scripture also. So he may be teaching or she may be teaching similarly about so many things, inspiring people to chant and so forth. But then they give them a very wrong idea about the nature of the spiritual world, it can prove to be problematic for them hmm, in, in due course. And if then upon hearing other teachings that you don't fall and they fight against that and, if, and criticize those people who are teaching the right thing, then, then it, it, it becomes more problematic for them. So it, it, could, be, it could be a problem. I'm sorry, your, your, your other question? Yeah, yeah I, no, I... I just wanted to say additionally that you about that falling in in this book it's they say that we don't fall that we are still there in 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 well in spiritual world and we like some kind asleep and uh, and this the, like the soul here in material world is like a dream of uh, of actual swarupa in in uh, in uh, in like in spiritual world and basically you have somehow to wake up yourself there to get out from here <laughs> like it's it's, uh, <laughs> it's it's like that and it's it's kind of you know I don't know. <laughs> it's just yeah. Right. It, 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 there's no scriptural support for that. They maybe distort some, some, some idea of the dream of the dream and 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 try to apply it to that and so forth. But you know, there's 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 no forgetting about Krishna. There's no losing touch with him. In in it, it, it there's no there's no. Let's put it like this. There's no imperfection. Imperfection. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So just final one. I just wanted, like, referring to the question that was today about the intention. So basically, if your intention is good, and you are following a person who has like giving uh, teachings not according the tattva. So how is then? Like, if your intention is good and you are serving that guru, but that guru appears is not uh, like bona fide or something like that. So is there any fault in you? Well, I think that, that, that um, um, in, in, if your intention is right, then in due course of time, you'll, you'll, that will help you to understand the problem and, and you'll come in touch with better um, yeah. representative and teaching and so forth. So your sincerity is, is going to uh, be the determining factor hmm? um, yeah. um, but you know yeah so someone you could be anybody yeah somebody's taught you talking about Krishna consciousness and 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 you're very inspired and you don't know what their personal life is like hmm? and they actually they're, they're at home 
getting drunk every night and then they go out in the street and they they they, they, they preach to you well you're hearing the teaching and so you respect the person and so forth and so that there's it's not a disadvantage to you in one sense but when you find out then you have to move on right yeah so all right so we're out of time i appreciate mm -hmm. the questions thank you very much thank you all very much you know, we'll see you tomorrow at the same place same time oh, i thought it was 9 30 tomorrow morning it's um well your time it'll be 8 30. is that right 11 30 our time you sure yes yes we're rush. oh 8 30 my time yeah tomorrow okay all right we said something <laughs> okay yeah, and there will be overflow if, if we if we have more than 100 people on zoom there will be a facebook live page set up on sri chaitanya's sangha live so look forward to seeing everyone tomorrow and okay thank Adi you so much Maraj, for your wonderful answers okay. there you go. Hi, Krishna.